this evening as we gather to worship our God. As we do so, I'd ask you to stand as we read the call to worship from Acts chapter 17 tonight. There Paul is speaking to those who have made all kinds of commitments, all kinds of allegiances with many gods, and he says there is but one God. And he says this, The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. We come seeking God tonight, and we know that he promises to speak to his people, those who are humble and contrite coming before him, and we know that he is near to us. And so we come confident that he will speak to our hearts tonight. Congregation, in whom is your help? He greets you this evening. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ through the working of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's turn to our hymnals number 105, selection C. 105C, O praise the Lord, his deeds make known. Let's sing those five stanzas of 105C.
tonight for our psalm selection, Psalm 68, just the first part of the psalm. It's a longer psalm, and I'm not going to say a lot about it other than to say that there are many images here which speak of God delivering his people and speaking of how he did that, going before them. Uh, the one, the God from Sinai, the God of Israel, the one who granted abundance in their land, the one who was delivering them, the, the one who chose to dwell among them on Mount Zion. And then the, the verse 18 that we're going to end with this evening um, that Paul uses, speaking of the Lord Jesus when he ascended on high, showing his victory uh, over all uh, enemies. So in this, we see a, a, a foreshadowing of God having victory over his enemies. Here then, Psalm 68. God shall arise, his enemies shall be scattered, and those who hate him shall flee before him. <clears throat> Smoke is driven away, so you shall drive them away. As wax melts before fire, so the wicked shall perish before God. <clears throat> but the righteous shall be glad. They shall exalt before God, they shall be jubilant with joy. Sing to God. Sing praises to his name. Lift up a song to him who rides through the deserts. His name is the Lord. Exalt before him. Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. God settles the solitary in a home. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity. But the rebellious dwell in a parched land. O God, when you went out before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, the earth quaked, the heavens poured down rain before God, the one of Sinai, before God, the God of Israel. Rain in abundance, O God, you shed abroad. You restored your inheritance as it languished. Your flock found a dwelling in it. In your goodness, O God, you provided for the needy. The Lord gives the word. The women who announced the news are a great host. The kings of the armies, they fell, or they flee, they flee. The women at home divide the spoil. Though you men lie among the sheepfolds, the wings of a dove covered with silver, its pinions with shimmering gold. When the Almighty scatters kings there, let snow fall on Zalman. O mountain of God, mountain of Bashan, O many-peaked mountain, mountain of Bashan, why do you look with hatred? O many peaked mountain, at the mount that God desired for his abode. Yes, where the Lord will dwell forever. The chariots of God are twice ten thousand, thousands upon thousands. The Lord is among them. Sinai is now in the sanctuary. You ascended on high, leading a host of captives in your train, and receiving gifts among men, even among the rebellious, that the Lord God may dwell there. Let's respond with number 68A. 68A, we're going to sing the first six stanzas of 68A.
that psalm was sung very often when the Christian armies would go out to war and they sought the Lord's deliverance. And we want to think of that as we go to the Lord in prayer tonight. We're going to be praying for the persecuted church. These words of this psalm are fitting for a prayer request that I received this week from the church in Manipur, India, concerning the the persecution that's taking place there. So we're going to pray for those brothers and sisters, as well as for many other persecuted brothers and sisters with Psalm 68 on our minds. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. In our safety, O Lord, it is easy for us to forget that we have enemies. It is easy for us to forget that the church has enemies, that brothers and sisters suffer for the faith. We gather here in this place and we're so thankful for it. We know that you do not need temples built by hands, that you are a God who is above the heavens and the earth, but you are a God who is near and you provide a place for worship that we might gather together and sing your praises to reflect again on who you are. I thank you, Lord, for allowing us to live in this land and we thank you for Uh, the safety that we have, the freedom that we have to worship. Keep us from being dull to the dangers of living in prosperity. Keep us contending for the faith and pressing on and proclaiming uh, boldly uh, the need for every knee to bow or to bend before the Lord Jesus Christ. Tonight, O Lord, we, we pray for our brothers and sisters in lands of persecution. There are many who are in danger every day. We pray, O Lord, that you would arise, that you would scatter your enemies, that those who hate you would flee before you, that the righteous might rejoice in the deliverance that you bring. As the psalmist writes, and as we hear, as Christ has ascended on high, leading a host of captives in his train, so we recognize that he is King of kings and Lord of lords, reigning and ruling, and yet... Lord Jesus, your bride suffers. Your bride faces persecution each day. We pray for those in Manipur, India, who are facing extreme persecution and violence at the present time. Many churches being destroyed. Many deaths, many displaced people. Houses burnt down. Lord, how hard that is to imagine, to face persecution because... We name the name of Christ such severe persecution. Oh, we may face jeering or they might be ostracizing us here, but they do not attack in this way. So we pray for these brothers and sisters that in this they would look to you and that they would find peace in you. We think of brothers and sisters in Sudan who are displaced because they are the objects of persecution from the Muslims. For those in Nigeria, where there is such great persecution, Lord, protect these, uh, these people who live in many, in many cases from day to day, uh, waiting on crops to mature. The enemy comes in then and destroys the crops and they're left destitute. Oh Lord, provide for their needs through your people and through your mighty hand. For those in Mali, where there are many uh, nomadic uh, Islamic groups that come and and destroy villages and wreak havoc, and those in Niger and in Benin and Somalia and much of the continent of Africa, where there is a battle between Islam and Christianity. Lord, there at the forefront of the spread of the church, we could see that also in South America, but there in Africa at the forefront of the spreading of the church in Africa, we see such, a, such an attack to try to intimidate and to scare and to frighten those uh, who, <clears throat> who would seek to live for you. Lord, may they remember that you are a God who is protector, a God who will scatter the enemies of his people. We think of those who are being attacked in Nepal. We pray that you, for your protection upon those uh, churches there and upon those Christians where there is a, a Hindu uh, and, and Buddhist presence and, and an attack upon Christianity as a, as a dangerous thing. So many in China who are uh, under uh, persecution, in Indonesia and in Turkey. We could go on and on, Lord, and we are made aware again of, of this uh, 
this war that is ongoing, this spiritual war, as we read this, this psalm where the psalmist sings your praises as one who will scatter enemies. And we sing your praises. We lift up a song to you who goes before your people. Uh, and we recognize that throughout your word, there are testimonies to your power, to your glory, and to your defense of a helpless people, of your people, those small in number, and of how your church continues to advance. Build your church. Make her a praying and witnessing body that many would hear and believe, that many would uh, rejoice in knowing the peace that can stand in the face of physical persecution. Lord, there are many instances where the bodies are destroyed, but you take the souls to be with you. We pray that we would not forget these, uh, these dear brothers and sisters who teach us much about commitment and about zeal. Lord, may we be ever more faithful as we think upon this, knowing that you go before us and that you come behind us, that you surround us, that you will keep us. Hear us, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Let's turn in our hymnals once again to 89B. 89B. My song forever shall record the faithfulness of God. We see it in the life of Jacob. We're going to see it again tonight. Uh, We're going to sing stanzas 1, 2, 3, 8, and 9 as we stand to sing. Number 89B, stanzas 1, 2, 3, 8, and 9. Come back to our study in the book of Genesis and ask you to turn to Genesis chapter 46 this evening. Genesis 46. Remember, Jacob has heard that his son, uh, from his sons, that Joseph, his son, is alive. 
And he's stunned and at first does not believe them about this. But when he heard and saw the goodness of God, his spirit revived. And that's where I want to take up our reading tonight as we come into chapter 46. We're going to start in verse 27. It's the last few verses of chapter 45 as we come into chapter 46. Here then, the reading of God's word, starting verse 27 of Genesis 45. But when they, his sons, told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said to them, and when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of their father Jacob revived. And Israel said, It is enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. So Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. And God spoke to Israel in visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, Here I am. And he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for there I will make you into a great nation. I myself will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also bring you up again. And Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. Then Jacob set out from Beersheba. The sons of Israel carried Jacob, their father, their little ones, and their wives in the wagons that Pharaoh had sent to carry him. They also took their livestock and their goods, which they had gained in the land of Canaan, and came into Egypt, Jacob and all his offspring with him, his sons and his sons' sons with him, his daughters and his sons' daughters, all his offspring he brought with him into Egypt. So far, the reading of God's own holy word may add his blessing to the reading and proclamation of it tonight. The congregation of Lord Jesus Christ, Jacob has become a different man. That's what we've seen as we've watched him progress all through uh, the early days and unto this day where we pick it up now. And he teaches us here tonight in our passage the right step, the first step in living. And that first step is that we are not to be so impulsive that we don't First, go to God in our decisions. Listen to what verse 1 says, and I'm going to read just parts of it so that you get the heart of it. So Israel took his journey to God. That's what we see happening here tonight. That's what we want us to, to understand as we look at this passage together. Jacob took his journey, the beginning of his journey, his first step to God. Joseph and Pharaoh had invited Jacob down to Egypt Back in chapter 45, we saw that, verses 9 and 18, and Jacob certainly wanted to see his son after he now heard that he was alive. Certainly, there was much emotion in this. But before he went, he went to the Lord, to God, the God of his father Isaac. Think about this. It's not an easy decision. There's a lot going on, to be sure, in his life. He's old. He's 130 years old at this time. He is also established in the land. Egypt is not really a place that you want to raise a family. So what to do? Joseph has invited, Pharaoh has invited and said, don't worry, we'll provide. Jacob is there thinking, what must I do? And the emotional thoughts of seeing his son once more, the significant preparations of taking his journey, Jacob first goes to the Lord. Note this. In the busy and in these most exciting of moments, Jacob does not forget to go to the Lord. Isn't that easy to do? In the busy moments and the moments of excitement and the, the getting caught up in the, in the moment, we think we just, there's something we want to do and we, we impulsively go and we don't think always about going to the Lord. Here, Joseph does just that. I hear people say, well, I'll get back to church sometime, you know, when life slows down, when, when things aren't so busy. It's important to me, but and you, want to, you think to yourself, well, how important? Not important enough to worship now, apparently. And, and we tell ourselves that. We say, well, it's important, but just not right now. Well, Jacob has come to a point where he says, no, no, it's important 
now. And I had a number of applications on that. I was going to say to the college students, don't cease to go to corporate worship all the way at college, and then they left to go back to college. And perhaps there are those here who are going to college, but that is my that is my plea to all of us here, to not stop going to corporate worship, to not stop gathering with God's people in the busyness of education, in the pursuit of that, whatever it is in our lives, our job, our work, our studies. Don't push God to the side, even when things are busy. For those in high school, don't stop going to God and preparing for worship on Saturday night. Even with a busy Saturday night sports schedule, I know it's busy. I've been to some of those games. Don't cease to prepare to go to God and say, Lord, I want to, well, I want to hear from you. I want to prepare my heart and my mind for worship so that when I'm gathered with your people, I might hear from you. Young adults and the big decisions about where to live or what job to take or whom to marry, don't fail to go to God and remember what he says concerning marriage, concerning how you are to live. We don't read what Jacob was thinking when he took this journey down to Beersheba. We don't We just simply read, so Israel took his journey. He hears that Joseph is alive, and so he makes plans to go see him. Verse 28, the last chapter, he says, I'm going to go see him. But the emotions don't keep him. I'm going to hit this again and again. The emotions don't keep him from going first to the Lord, which is what we must do every day. And, I submit to you, to the appointed place of worship. That is what Beersheba represented. Abraham worshipped there. Isaac worshipped there. Now Jacob worships there. The appointed place of worship. Not just on the move, worshipping as we go. Yes, we can do that. We can think uh, about God. We can pray to God. We can live before Him. And we must. But then to come to that appointed place. That appointed place for worship. Now, I'm convinced that Jacob, having come to Beersheba, if God had said to him, don't go, that he would have turned back. How can I say that? Because remember what had happened to Jacob. We're talking about how Jacob has matured, how he has grown. He wrestled with God, you remember. He wrestled with God. He came to God and said, you are going to do something for me. And God did give him blessing. But in that blessing, what did he do? Young people, he left Jacob with what? A limp. To remind him of his encounter with God, that he was not going to leave from that time with the Lord the same way that he came to that place. We don't come to God and change him. He changes us. So when we come before him, we come humbly and we say, Lord, please be merciful in keeping with your covenant mercies. In your kindnesses. Bless me. Lead me. Jacob is different as illustrated by the fact that he doesn't leave for Egypt until he meets with God. And God says, go. Earlier in his life, remember what he had done. He had grabbed for what he thought was his, for the birthright. How had he done it? By deception, in ways that were not God's ordained ways. He's going to make his own way, find his own path, thinking he knows better than God as to when it's going to take place and how it's going to take place. In that 20-year sojourn away to his father-in-law Laban, he learned some, though he had to learn more as he was preparing to face his brother Esau, and God will have his way with his children Sometimes we have to learn through hardship. Sometimes we do learn through something of a, of a waywardness or a difficult time. But God teaches us to remember that we live before Him. And we must worship Him. 
Well, I was thinking about this passage this week as it applies to, to uh, the life of this church, and I, I'm not going to go into this too deeply, but we have this potential building project before us, and I want to simply say this. Let it be known that whatever comes of this, that we are those who go first to God in prayer on this matter, as we do with all of the decisions that we make. We come to the Lord, seeking the Lord. A building project is never just about establishing a committee and getting the money. This process, as is every step of life, is more about making much of God as it is in pulling the pieces together. Now, that's not a statement one side or the other on this, but that we would be known as people who are seeking the Lord. Notice what's said of Jacob, or notice something with me about Jacob here. He's not going on a whim. <clears throat> Why do I say that? He's not just going on a, to Beersheba kind of on a, on, a, on, a, on a whim of, well, maybe this, I don't know how that's going to turn out. Why do I say that? Because Joseph has said to him through his brothers, the Lord has brought me here and has blessed me here to prepare a place for you here to deliver you. Now come. Come down. God has sent me to Egypt. Come. Well, this testimony mattered to Jacob. He knew the spirituality of Joseph at an early age. And the word had some weight with Jacob. Again, maybe to make application to the leadership of the church. The guidance of godly leaders should mean something to us as we, as we seek the Lord's direction through them. We don't ignore, however, the fact that we go to God. We trust God will lead us by godly leaders, though not apart from God. We don't ignore the fact that Jacob went to the Lord. He did not consider consulting God an extra or unnecessary step. He considered this the first step. The first step of any journey is how we would put it. We could put it as we look at verse 1. The central point of these verses Difficult decision, impacted by the emotion of seeing a long-lost son. Difficult decision, having impact upon a larger family, taking all that he has with him. We can think of a similar situation when a family has to make a move. It's not just how it will affect the head of the home or the parents, but also the family. Godly wisdom says that we must seek the Lord. Important pieces Looking, as my dad used to say when he was considering a call, we always want to think about the church that we're serving and the church to which we may be called. And what does the school look like? How is it operating? What is it, how is it going to serve in the bringing up of the children? Those pieces, they're not easy decisions. Jacob, Jacob is not does not have an easy decision before him. And he is right, he is wise to lay this before the Lord. Well, Jacob came before the Lord, secondly, and the Lord answered him. We see that secondly tonight. God spoke to Israel in visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob, and he said, here I am. Then he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for there I will make you into a great nation. I myself will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also bring you up again, and Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. The fact that God called Jacob by name reminds us that God knows his own intimately. He knows his own calling you by name. He knows your situations. He says, come to me and I will hear you and I will give you answer. Think about God calls people by name. There's, there's many instances of that. One of them is the, 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 the boy Samuel when he's being called to that role of uh, the priest. They're following Eli. Or think of Saul who became the great apostle Paul. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Calling him. We think of Abram, the worshiper of idols, of gods beyond the river. The the Lord calls him and says, I will make you into a great nation. Note who he calls in these instances. Note who he calls and how he calls. He calls the immature, the boy Samuel. He calls the blasphemer, the man Saul. And he calls the man Abram, 
the one who is an idolater. He calls by name, and there's no one. This is the point I want to make. There's no one God cannot rescue. Well, here, the Lord comes to Jacob and identifies himself, answering him, I am God, the God of your father, Isaac. And what what we should hear in this title is, I am God, the one who does not change, the one who is faithful. I, the Lord, do not change. Brothers and sisters, we, we need to listen for that clear identification as we pray to the Lord. Listen for the voice of the Lord when you seek his guidance. Not to be listening to your own voice or, or to beware of the tempter's voice. To ask God to give the ability to hear his voice. How will you know his voice? The Lord gives his spirit. He says, as Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and they answer, and then they come to me. But we could put it another way. He, he brings his word to your mind. When he speaks, he will not contradict himself. If he says something is wrong, something is sinful in the past, well, then it's still sin today. It doesn't matter how the society has changed, how, how the, 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 the morals have changed in, in this institution or that organization. That's irrelevant. God speaks and he stands upon that word. Listen for his voice. Don't try to make something that God calls sin acceptable. He doesn't change. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Do not go astray in your heart, as the Lord says through the psalmist. If you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Submit to him. Listen to him. If he says it's wrong, don't try to press against it. Don't be a Balaam who tried to get God to do what he wanted. God will not bend to our sinful desires. Beware of tying God's authority to something contrary to his word. We Hear others say, sometimes we say, well, the Lord, I hope we don't say this too much unless we're quoting scripture, but the Lord spoke to me. And we say, that's the trump card. Well, if the Lord spoke to me, you can't, that's the end of it, right? We have to ask ourselves, is that in line with what God has said, what he's taught? Test what you're thinking with scripture. It's easy, you see, to be fooled in our hearts, for our hearts are deceitful. Above all things. And tests of faith are, by definition, tests. They're difficult. They're hard. They require us to prepare. And by being trained through the test, we're drawn closer to God, not further away. God draws us closer to Himself. When you see his faithfulness in bringing you through a test, you learn to lean on him more. The Lord knows what you and I need. He knew Jacob's need. That's why he said to him, do not be afraid, verse 3. Do not be afraid to go. Fear can grab hold of us, can it? Fear of man, fear of the unknown. Those things can cause us to be afraid. We say things, well, I fear that I'm missing out on this or that, or I fear I'm going to be too old before I can enjoy this or that, or I fear, and then fill in the blank. But God says, do not be afraid. Trust me. Jacob had fears in his life. When he was preparing to meet Esau, he said, I am afraid. And the Lord said, I am with you. He was afraid to go down to Egypt. God said, the Lord said, do not be afraid, but go. You want to have release from fear, then go to God first, not last, not later. Say, Lord, I, I think I made a mistake, and I think this is, uh, it, can you uh, breathe? Go to the Lord first. It's a great lesson from this passage. From Jacob's example, he's learning to go to God first. And God was giving him what he most needed. Assurance, peace, 
statement that of, of his presence. He says to him there, I will make you into a great nation. I myself will go down with you. I will also bring you up again. He is present, as we heard this morning. Brothers and sisters, we start with prayer. It's the first step. Not an extra step. Young people, it's very hard to stand today. It's very hard to be courageous and faithful. We're so concerned about image. God is concerned about substance. What is true of us inside? Who are we when no one else is looking? And we say, but I want to make sure I wear the right clothes or that I'm with the right group or that I'm in the in crowd. Do those fears grab hold of you? God says, I am with you. You are mine. You belong to me. Your identity as a child of God is all that you need. Therefore, do not fear. God's ready to hear your prayer, to give you what you need to grow. We sing that song, Spirit of God, dwell thou within my heart. That one line, teach me the patience of unanswered prayer. God is not silent in prayer. Sometimes he says no, sometimes he says slow, and sometimes he says grow. Wait upon me. Lean upon me. He's saying listen when you come. Don't come into my presence and say, you need to fix this and you need to do it right now. Prayer is not an extra step in living. It's the first step. And God answers, as he did here. As he does here with Jacob. Well, thirdly, Jacob goes with the Lord's blessing. Only after God speaks does Jacob set out. Let me read it again. So Israel took his journey to God. God answered. Then, verse 5, then Jacob set out from Beersheba with all that he had. He moves forward in peace for God has declared he would bless him. That's a wonderful way to walk through life. That's really the only, that's the only way to walk through life. If God assures you of his presence, dear people of God, then you have nothing to fear. You, you lack nothing. It, it, it's irrelevant what other people may think or say about you. I say that because though we don't, we haven't, we're not moving into a foreign land as Jacob is in our story, the foreign land has really come to us. There's so much around us that's foreign sounding, that's at odds with God's word and, and what he says, that we think, what's happened? What's going on around me? Where am I? We live in a land with so many idols. We must have the same approach to this situation as Jacob did to the thought of going down to Egypt. We must be sure that we go to God first and that we walk out the door each day with God's blessing, saying, Lord, go with me, go before me. We need to remember that we sojourn in this land. As Jacob was going to sojourn in Egypt, we submit to God that the nations might see him in us and be blessed by our witness. God used little Abraham, God used little Isaac, and now God is using little Jacob to do great things, to accomplish his purposes. God chooses a people for himself, not a great people, strong in themselves, but a people who are being shaped and molded to be those who depend upon him. He does marvelous things through those who are saturating their lives with prayer. His kingdom advances. It does not depend on the strength of man. It advances by his glorious and gracious might. Interestingly here, it's emphasized in our text in the first verse and in the seventh verse, Jacob sets out with all that he has. Not only to worship but then to obey all that he has. All his offspring he brought with him. 
The repetition is meant to show Jacob's total obedience. He leaves not a person or possession behind. And the question is, are you all in? Are you all in? Committed fully everything with all that you have to hear the Lord and to respond to wherever he calls you to go and whatever he calls you to do. When the Son of God came down to earth, he declared, my will is to do the will of my Father in heaven totally, completely, fully. The Father promised to give him the nations as his inheritance. And this going down here as Jacob goes down to a land where bondage to idolatry is present, we see a picture of Christ coming down for the nations. Christ was not exalted and mighty while on earth. His bride will not be exalted and mighty in this age. But she must be obedient. Every member must take his or her individual call within the body of service to the gospel to be a light to the nations. The Lord says to Jacob, I myself will go down with you to Egypt and I will bring you up again and Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. Verse 4. Jacob had the assurance that God would go with him unto death and that his beloved son would close his eyes. So it is in Christ. So it was in Christ. He came to earth to taste death for all so that he might reveal the power of his life over death. He came to earth to die and to rise again, assuring us that we will be taken up from our earthly sojourn. He will close our eyes. He will deliver us from death by the power of his indestructible life. Greater than Jacob, greater than any of the patriarchs, is our Lord Jesus Christ. Death is an enemy. It tests our faith because it's possible, but it is possible rather to die in peace. For God has sent his beloved son. He sent him before us. Nothing can separate us from God. For he has come to taste death for us, to sanctify the grave, such that it is not the final resting place of the believer, but the place where the life of sin dies for good. We have nothing to fear. God will keep his promise. Upon hearing God's word, we can say, along with Jacob, it is enough. My Savior and Lord lives, and I will go see him. Jacob's testimony, that's his testimony to Joseph's, or to the words of his sons. It is enough. I believe my son is alive, and I will go and see him. He learned to go to God. He was delivered from fear by listening to his voice. He received the blessing of peace as he went forth with him. That's the peace that's found in God's beloved son. It's for you who ask for it from God through Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, release us from fear. Protect us from temptation. Deliver us from evil. Help us to recognize that our daily bread comes from you. That you are the one who reigns over all and the one who is yet near to us through your spirit. That we might know that it is your kingdom that is being established. That it is your will that increasingly needs to be done on earth as it is in heaven. May we be those who Reflect hearts that have the coming kingdom already within in what we think and say and do so that we might know the peace that comes from walking in your way. Hear us, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen.
As we come to the beginning of another year, we sing, Another Year is Dawning. I noted you sang it last week, but I'm going to sing it with you tonight. Number 555, we're going to stand to sing those three stanzas. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for another year. We thank you for the year set before us, living day by day. We pray that we would be those who are exhibiting kindness and compassion that you have shown to us, the love that you have shown to us in the gospel. As we give for the Benevolence Fund, Lord, may we be those who are ever mindful of the needs in the church providing from the riches that you've given to us that those who are in need might receive as having come from your hand. Hear us, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen.
Let's stand and confess our faith together using the words of the Nicene Creed. Found on page 852. This unchanging eternal God, the one whom we confess, is triune, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Therefore, we confess that in these words as we say together. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible. And in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets, and I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. We're now going to sing the doxology, the first stanza, then we'll do the benediction, and then the second stanza. It will all make sense as we sing. Let's sing that first stanza, then we'll receive the benediction, and then sing the last stanza. God's parting blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. Amen.